of this session is, this is Mary's seminar, or family clinic we call it. Yesterday, we went through the beginning, isn't it? I think we're going to talk together. Someone tell me the first thing I spoke about yesterday. Number one, what, did, what topic did I, what did I give you? You tell me what you wrote down, and then you tell me the scriptures. What is the, the first thing I dealt with? No. Origin of marriage is the topic. Number one, I spoke about what? Now, write it down now. The first thing I taught you was God's ultimate plan. Okay? I talk to you like student now. Because if it is, if it is understood, then you can teach it too. Now, the scripture, I began by saying to you that, you know, we're looking at the beginning. That is the topic of like yesterday. And I said, number one, God's ultimate plan. Genesis what? You must know it off your head or your mind. Then the second thing I said was God's intention fulfilled Genesis what? 27. Because in 26 it says God said let us make man. He has an intention. And in 27 it says and God made them. Yes. And number three. I said, God's ultimate blessing is based on unity. So God blessed them. But the fact of that very verse 28 is that it says, so God blessed them. And the word them tells you that the blessings of God will never work in a divided home. That is the key thing I let you understand by the them. So in a marriage where there is no unity, it frustrates God's blessing. Don't forget this. These are very elemental and very important too. where we are going. So write down as I speak. I will wait for you. Because you must get these preambles correct. And then I said, marriage is God's idea. That's interesting. So, in marriage is God's idea, we began to look at the origin of marriage. So, marriage is God's idea, verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2, which says, The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be what? I will make him what? A helper suitable for him. Now, I didn't explain that thoroughly. I remember that I began to tell you, the first thing there is that marriage is God's idea. All right, number two is what? The lessons, we learned five lessons from that verse. First lesson, second, third, and fourth, and five. I had the prayer that was on before I came in. This lecture clarifies that section. And we'll talk more about that as I go into lecture. You know, I said to you that you must notice this. All right? God is, marriage is God's idea. And I told those of you who have not yet engaged the way to do it. And I gave examples from among you. That if you have a father, both your earthly father and your spiritual father, 
if you don't use them in your plight for looking for a life partner, I'm talking about father, if, if you talk about earthly father, it must be a corrigible father. I would get that now. I have to qualify that. There are some fathers who, by virtue of the fact that they don't know the Lord, they are reckless, they are ruthless. I'm not talking about those ones. A child may be born by a reckless father, but it does not, that does not mean that child will be reckless. Because good kids come out of bad parents. So there could be an element of the parents in the child if the child was not educated in the, in the word of God. So when I say that your father, I'm talking about corrigible men. But if you don't have a father who is corrigible by virtue of circumstance, then your spiritual father who can see and who can hear and whose life also is an example. Because if you have a doctor in the house and you collapse and everybody there decided to call the 999, ignoring that the 999 will send even People who are soft, soft to doctors. And you ignore the doctor, it's most likely that before 999 come, your handling of that patient, you kill the patient. Let me give you an example. I got this from doctors. Somebody fell and as his, his collapse, people raised him up. Okay? Because they felt that if we let him on the floor, in the back, he would die. Okay? So because they raised him up now, before 999 came, oxygen went to the brain, the guy died. Now, if you had a doctor there, doctor would have told you, don't raise him up. Let him lie. Raise his leg up. Because I saw my doctors did that. So that blood can flow. So if a, a situation of health hazard happened here, the first night I say, doctors, and they will rise up, they go first. When you call 999, they're already taking care of the case. So we are using their gifts. If you have lawyers in the house and you have a situation in law, and you went to lawyer outside without taking counsel from the one who is spiritual, you may end up a victim of fraudulent lawyers. So it is with the spiritual, even more. Where you have a father who can see and who can direct, if you ignore him and you make a choice, don't bring problem to him because it is your mark for, for life. Are we together now? So I told you, God is the matchmaker. And if God is the matchmaker, the gift of God can give you the right direction when it comes to decision. I remember I told you, if you come to me and say, Apostle, this is the person I want to marry, what will I do? I bless you straight away. Amen. Because you have made a choice. But if you came and said, Apostle, I'm intending to marry, and I want you to say, God regards this matter for me. God has spoken to you, or you have a weakness in your spirit, then I can, uh, by the grace of God upon me, give you exact information and guide you aright. But I also said this to you. The choice of life partners is yours. You have issues whereby some people say to another person, don't go that way for marriage. But because those who are saying it were saying that out of their flesh, 
and the person who have decided is deciding in line with God, that person went ahead and that marriage is successful. Because those who are saying don't are speaking out of flesh. Similarly, some have decided to go in a particular direction and those who have the spiritual who sees further than earlier now, they don't go. Because I can see some situation before you. Or I can see that you are not compactable. Or I can see that that is not God's choice. And they are said, well, let marry her for me. The role of the minister is to say, God bless you. And wed them. And yesterday I gave you two scenarios. Three scenarios of both sides. And I told you at the end of my lecture yesterday that every Christian can hear God. And I told you how to hear him. Everyone here in his mind. But if you are curious to know further, Jeremiah 33 applies. If you can seek the face of God over any issue, you pray regularly seeking God over the same thing for days on end. You will certainly receive from him. And when you decide to seek God, you cannot stop seeking him until you see. That is a seeker. Not when you pray for some time and then you say, I pray for 30 days and then I change my mind. No, you, if it's one year, that one year is the only thing you are praying for. And you will see. And I know that God always answers people within two weeks, three months, or sometimes three days. When you set your heart to gain understanding. So the reason why we are built on this is that there are many people who have married already, but they are married in disaster. And they are in the church too of God. And so when they grew in God, and the time came for God to use them, the disastrous marriage will be conflicting with the calling. But you are bound forever. You have to die there. So, it becomes a very big problem that they cannot remedy it. Christian marriage is not a marriage you enter and you get out. Once you use your mouth to say, yes, I do, and they tell you, you die, you say, yes, there. You must know those things. They tell you, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. So if you say, yes, you have to die there. Before the Lord. That's the reason why it is necessary for Christians, especially those of you who have not made choice to recognize that to make a choice for a person to marry, you must be squared on God. Very, very squared on God. Because that house you are going into, only you will live there. Your parents will not live there with you. Let me say this to you. My own daughter got married from the day I handed over her hand, I finished my job or not for her. From that day, the only thing she can get from me is the, what anybody will get from the spiritual father. That's all she can get from me. Everything that she needed as an earthly father I've given her. But the role of an earthly father ceases over any man or woman the moment you are married. Even there are some things that we may see as fathers happening among a husband and wife which are children, which we will keep our mouth shut. 
because they are married. Unless if they ask us, we cannot say that we will speak there because they are our children. No, they are a family. Anything you find there, enjoy it. Once you make your choice, finish. If they call for counsel, then we speak. If they don't, and we have to put on smile all the time. Hope you are enjoying everything. Hallelujah. And if he says, no problem, no problem. There's no problem you can't prove into because you are a father. But if you are a spiritual father, you can say, but the Lord told me that this is happening. What happened last week? Why did you say this yesterday? And then they will know that it's not father. It is the spirit. I would gather now. So therefore, those of you who have not married must be extremely careful. Because remember, I said marriage can make you or break you. Okay. So therefore, I'm saying this because I want to explore more into that verse today. And then we're going to some more complicated issues, areas rather. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper. So we know that marriage is God's own idea. And everybody must make sure that God chooses for them. Because as a Christian, if you jump into that boat, you can't come out. Once we wed you, a day before your wedding, even on your wedding day, you can say no. Because that's why we ask you again on the wedding day. That do you have any reason why we should not wed you? And you say no reason. Okay? They didn't say now, be quiet. If you say, I, I'm no more interested, though people are there for ceremony, we will stop that ceremony. And we'll cancel it. It is better for you not to put your hand into that ring. If you discovered a night before that you are going to fire. People, uh, mother, people, what will people say? Let them say. They have been saying before you were born. They will continue to say after you have died. What people say? I have no business with you. We say shame. Let it be shame. Hallelujah. Let me tell you a story. Because I'm a story man. There's a woman who came to Christ with Tabernacle some years ago. That woman was pregnant like this, about two more months to be prepared to deliver. She pushed her belly to my meeting, crying, sobbing like baby, you know, all over the place. What was the matter? She said that uh, I was to be married, and my husband didn't show up on the marriage day in London. Yes. My husband didn't show up. And then till, from that day of marriage, they talked to him a day before. All family, the book hall, they prepare. And on the marriage day, the man vanished. And up to today, we can't find him, he said. Okay? And then when the woman was talking to me, I felt, what kind of sin is this? I've never in my entire life heard that this happened. You know? So when you come into a ridiculous situation that you have never seen before, there's only one person who can sort it. It's the Holy Spirit of God. You know, people will be saying that, ah, they shot arrow. Which arrow? <laughs> Which arrow? Who shot the arrow? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where they got all this stuff from. Ah, they are, it is the family of the wife that they are attacking. Attack what? Mm. So therefore, 
As human was before me, I was saying, my God, this I don't understand. I, I can't decipher this. I, I said, you came with wedding gown. He said, yes, they walked him through the, out through the aisle. They waited, the priest waited for the man. They didn't see the man. They waited and waited. They didn't see, so they have to call the marriage quit. Everybody went to eat their food. And they went home, whichever way. All the family of the man, the man cut them off. The man relocated. So as I was talking to the woman, the Holy Spirit said to me that, as you asked the woman what she did, what, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit told me that the reason why the man ran away was because that man had a brother who had a terrible marriage. And the wife, the, this woman that was before me, started arguing with him. And because that is the way the wife of the brother did, he had been thinking about this until he just saw that, no, no, I can't go forward. And I said, woman, you are the one who drove him away. Isn't it? He said, yes. Uh-huh. You know, there's only one, one a penalty or one uh, sacrifice, I would say. Sacrifice for sin is repentance. I said, now that you know that with your hand, you drove him away because of your character and behavior. I said, now you will go before your knees, before the Lord on your knees, and you will ask God for mercy here now. He said, I will. What will he not do? And she truly repented. He now told me details of what she had been doing to the man. Because she was ill-informed as a lady. Didn't understand what marriage really was. You know, a girl who takes cancer from girls can never be a wife. Because a girl is not a wife. A wife is different from a girl. So she was there crying, and I was there praying, God for mercy. And when she finished crying, the Lord said, tell him your husband will be in this church on Sunday. I said, sister, I just had God. Your husband is coming to this place on Sunday. He said, from where? I said, he's coming here to this church on Sunday. You will see your husband. I've led her to Christ, of course. I won't tell you where she came from because I've been, I'm very careful about mentioning denominations now. But it's a denomination where they don't talk about salvation. So I led her to Christ and she genuinely accepted Jesus. She wept before the Lord and genuinely asked for mercy. And God spoke. She was in the meeting on Wednesday when she met me. Friday meeting she came the service. It didn't come late. Let me tell you this. And then, on Saturday morning, a telephone rang. He picked the phone. And the man said, this is, mentioned his name. She said she heard the telephone away like this. That, ah, who is this? The man mentioned his name again. And the man said, calm down, calm down. I'm coming home today. And the woman was whether shocked or, or vibrating. He said, okay, 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 okay. He left the, dropped the phone. She wept and wept and wept. And in the evening, the man walked in. The man said, which church do you go? And he said, Christ with Tabernacle. He said, tomorrow I'm going to church with you. As the Lord has said, 
The second day, I called in for prayer line. And the man was over there. And the woman was here. And then I started to pray, minister to people. And then the, the, no, 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 no. What happened was that the man asked the church. He didn't come home. And she told the man the church. And the second day, the man was in church. He was on that prayer line. At the end, the woman was here. You know, when you give your life to Jesus uh, freshly, you will re-give your life as many times as possible. It happened to some of you too. It happened to me. Anytime they say, who want to accept Jesus Christ? With tears, I'm going forward. <laughs> I want to accept Jesus. And I'll be crying. Every day I give my life to Jesus, I'll be crying. <laughs> so the woman was crying, and the man was crying, and the woman, the woman had the voice of the man and walked right in front of me. And we saw both of them hug one another, and they were weeping. And God restored them. The woman gave birth to a twin. In the ninth month. I would gather now. It is the work of repentance. But what you learn from there, we are going to deal with it. When we go into conflict in marriage. So therefore, let God choose for you. The second thing is that your wife is a suitable helper. A suitable helper. A woman is created by God to help the man in everything. Remember I said to you that that is not talking about, about a superiority in creation because they are equally man. But that is talking about the responsibility that God gave to each person or the um, duties that God gave to each person. So, if you look at the woman being the suitable helper, the simple analysis I can give you, which I think came up on Saturday, most powerfully, ever in my teaching is that a man has the semen life of a of human being is in the man not in the woman the male father carries life not the woman the woman carries the body and when time comes for child to be born the man will inject the life into the woman and the woman will carry that life until it is fully formed is she not helping the man? A man alone cannot bring forth a child. Okay? And for the child from a man to be manifest, a woman had to carry that egg for some time. Alright? And I told you that in marriage, the woman gives most for the man. That's the reason why men must appreciate their wives so much. They give most. Because when the woman is going through the process of conception, all the changes that happen to her, she's the only one who experiences. Even some men, in some marriages, the men don't care about them. Which is a, a very serious offense before God. That is the time a woman demands the most care from the man. Because her body is changing. Some of them fall, feel sick. Some of them will just get hungry for nothing, for no reason. Terrible hunger, that if they don't eat on time, they, they get dizzy. Some of them have headaches, only because they are trying to help the man to bring forth a life. They suffer so much. And when the period of some of them 
three months they are okay, two months they are okay. Some of them will even suffer throughout the pregnancy. I'm there with several women in this church and across the globe. Ah, but there are some women who don't just have any problem. It is God's grace. Like my own wife, when she gets pregnant, she's even stronger. Walks, 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 walks. She doesn't speak. She doesn't fall sick. She doesn't do nothing. You just don't, you only have bellies getting up. And that's the same thing with my mother. Walk, 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 walk. Even to the day of, of uh, delivery, walking, 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 and stuff like that. But not so with every woman. But you see, therefore, you can see the procedure. I haven't then gone to the labor ward. It is the woman who goes into pain. The man does not. Why is it? She's going into all this because she's trying to help the man. Because God created the wife to be suitable helper. And then when the child is born, who takes the glory? The father. It is the father. The child bears the name of the father. I wonder. You wonder that. The man who did not carry pain. Who just saw that a human being came out of the wife. If you look at the balance of probability, it should have been that the child is bearing the mother's name. But no woman ever wants that. Women will fight to the last drop of their blood that you are the father of my child. I've never had man fighting you are the mother of my child before. It doesn't come to a man like that. If, if a child says you are not my father, the father will just laugh and say, go and ask your mother. <laughs> Hello? But to the woman, it is so passionate because a woman is suitable helper. I'm saying this because I want to help men understand something. That's the reason why there is nothing your wife can do that you cannot forgive. Nothing. If you can think about the procedure and the process of life, you will appreciate a woman more than anything. Therefore, the wife is a suitable helper. Now, can I say before we move away from this, that is the reason why a woman must marry a man that has intelligence, at least equal to her, or can reason beyond her. Because if you marry a man whose intelligence is lower in capacity, what will happen is this. You will always, a woman always generates ideas. Okay? That's what women are. Go to the house. Who thinks about the bed sheet to buy? Who thinks about pillows somewhere? Who thinks about, uh, you know, cutleries and cookeries and all stuff like that? It's the woman. It's, the woman is the one who look at the house and say that we need to put a flower here. We need to do this there because the brain of a woman is created by God to help all the time. Now, if a woman, therefore, is more intelligent and a woman is more charismatic, more innovative, and he marries a man who is just whatever may be, will be. Every time the woman is moving, it will come to a time that the man will say, that, are you trying to take my role? Whereas the man is doing nothing. Frustrating the intention of the woman. That's why those of you who have not married, if a man approach you, train him. Don't just say that he's a short man, I love short men. He's a tall man, I love tall men. When you get to you discover that tall or short does not rule the house. Amen. Tall or short don't rule the house. He don't rule the house. 
So therefore, a woman wants to marry a woman who is enterprising, a woman who is forward-thinking, wants to marry a man too who is like her. So that when the man is giving vision, you have things to work to make it true. You, and the man must not marry Emily. I call Emily. Emily woman. You tell her, sit down there. She will sit down. What are you doing? I am sitting down. <laughs> See, Emily, stand up. She will stand up for one hour. What are you doing? I am standing up. <laughs> Hallelujah. A man is not looking for, oh, she looks, she smiles well. I love her teeth. Ah. Oh, she's slim and skinny. Oh, she's plumpy and robust. All those things, while they could be elemental to your taste, they don't really make the home. A man wants to marry a woman who can reason alike like him. And a woman who can submit to his counsel. So that your head is taking the head role in the house. And the woman is taking the role of the helper in the house. And I told you, the head will come with ideas. The woman will come with how to achieve it. And most times, the way women think, women think broad, men think forward. Because men think forward, they are narrow in spectrum. Because women think broad, they are very short in distance. While the woman is talking about five years, ten years, the woman is talking about what shall we eat today? I have three children. How would they go to school? They must eat. We must take care of now. While the man is saying that, you know, in the next five years, this is where I want to get my family into. In the next ten years, this is what I want to do. And then it comes to the woman. The woman will now say, okay. That is very good. Now you have set out to do this in two years, three, three years time, four years time, you do that and that. What do we have now to be able to achieve your first step? We don't have enough. So how can we create the world? That is the woman. And if you look at the way God created the man and the woman, they are so balanced if they can listen to one another. If one doesn't say what the other one is saying is rubbish every time. I imagine when the man is saying that his wife is talking rubbish all the time, rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. You are the husband of the rubbish. Am I saying something? It may look rubbish or foolish. In three years' time, you will remember it and say, if I had known, that would not be your portion. Man can talk faith. Woman talk act. I will get there now. We will get there. We will do this. We will do that. The woman talk now. That's the reason why I told you yesterday. If you don't tell a woman I love you, the woman will say that you didn't tell me I love you. The man will say, how will I tell you again? Have I not shown you enough that I love you? That's what happened to a good number of people. But you must listen to one another. You must listen to one another. If you have a wife, when you have daughters, 
Your daughter will show you how you should behave to your wife. Because daughters always come around their father. All the time. Daughters always want to be cuddled. They want to be touched by their father. And many husbands don't understand that. That is what your real wife wants. That you are in the house. Both of you for two hours. You didn't go to look for where your wife is. For once. Ah, something is wrong with you. You didn't know that you need to go to where your wife is and touch her and hug her and pet her at the back so that she knows that somebody is here who appreciates me. Something is wrong with that man. Let me say this to you. Some of you men, you'll be spying your wife instead of you to look at her directly <laughs> and tell her how much you love her. You'll be spying her when she, when she looks back, you take your eyes away. <laughs> May God deliver you from that act. <laughs> You know what you Christian women should do? If your husband spy you and you find it out, just tell him, number one, now look at me well and appreciate me there. I saw your spy, yeah. <laughs> look at me now. <laughs> Don't hesitate to tell your husband what you want him to do for you and the way you want him to do for you. Men are trained by their mothers. Their mothers instructed them and Told them what to do. When they become a husband, they need a wife to tell them sin. If you assume they know it, you may find out that they don't even know it. And there is no shame in telling your husband how you want him to, to handle you. It's your right. Claim it. And if you tell your husband how you want him to handle you, if he does not, if he does not budge, report him to me if you are a CFT judge. Then I have to take that man to a, a, a refresher course, me and him alone. <laughs> Men should listen to their wife. The wife is suitable helper. In conclusion on that, which means that you can't do anything, both of you, without rubbing minds together. Let me say this to you. That does not mean that everything the woman uh, idea he, he gives, he will expect the man to accept it. No. Sometimes, the wife will get it wrong. And what the husband is saying, he's convinced about it, and that's the way forward for the family. And if that happens, the woman has to just follow. Sometimes the woman will get it right, and the husband must budge and follow that. Because both of you must work in the best interest of your family. Suitable helper. Now, I wrote number three as marriage is a responsibility of the man. Yes. And number four, God gave. Marriage is, sorry, third is that marriage is a responsibility, not a liability. And number four says, God gave man the responsibility. Let's look whether the Bible says so. Look at the book of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 19. No, let me read from verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the ribs of the man and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the ribs he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. 
the man said, This is now bone of my bone, of flesh of my flesh. She shall be called what? A woman. For she was taken out of... So, when God took the man, the woman, what did he do? What is that? Responsibility. He took the woman and said, Now, Adam, this is your responsibility. And you assume it. So, marriage is a responsibility. That responsibility is to the man. But if you look at the next verse, it's strange. It looks contradictory, but no, it's explanatory. For this reason, verse 24, a man will leave his father and mother and be united or cleave to his wife, and they will become one flesh. That is why I told you that when a father walks her daughter on the aisle and hands her over, he hands off. He hands off. Because the Bible says that man leaves his own father. And I said something when I was preaching on Saturday, the marriage uh, ceremony, that the, from Saturday wedding, the day anybody weds, the two ceases to, become, to be called member of the family they were. That man is no more member of his father's family. And that girl is no more no member of her father's family. Her siblings have become relatives. Go and check dictionary. That's what it says. They are relatives. They are no more. Like my daughter is married now. Samuel and Cephas are her relatives, not her family. The only position that does not change is the father and the mother. But the position of the siblings changed straight away. They are relatives from that day. Same thing, you know, the, the brothers and sisters of the man becomes relatives. The family now begins from the two of them and their offspring. That is the family. And the moment they begin to give back to offspring, the role of the father over those offspring becomes grand parent and mother. So, the husband and wife therefore must be left alone to storm the weather by themselves and to row their boat by themselves. Don't command them. They are married. Don't push them. Let them use their head to forge their life. You can only advise. What about if, as a parent I'm talking about, what about if a parent advises and they do what they think? You shouldn't be angry. The day that you, you, they cannot do that is when they were under you as children. Now when they are married, they are no more. You must allow the two heads to forge their lives. It's not that because she's my daughter, now what I tell you, you must ruin your marriage. No, that's your tell. You do it in your own marriage. I would together now. You know, I've seen many marriages broke down to pieces because the parents don't understand their boundaries. That's why I said, when people get married, you don't go and live in their house because you are a parent. Why should you go and stay in their house? For what? If the parents of the husband want to live there, then the parents of the wife should carry their load. All of them live together. Equal rights. Yes, isn't it? And then you will not allow the young people to, to breathe and to enjoy their lives. If you carry your load there, 
in the morning, in the night, carry your look, go back to your husband. Or go back to your wife too. I would get that now. I know that you African, some of African culture, have this culture that when the woman gives birth, they go, the wife will go and say, my wife will not stay with anybody. Yes? Because the Bible says, till death do us good. When I gave birth to my children, my parents did not come to my house. My wife and I raised my kids in England here. And my kids know this. I cannot share my wife with them while they are growing up and share my wife with them when they are married. No, 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 no. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. You can bring your children when it's comfortable for me. I cannot be the nursing father of the... Because when I gave back to my children, I didn't take them to my father to go and be nursing for me. I took care of my kids. So the issue that, ah, let us go and dump them with grandpa or grandma, you won't find that in my own house. There is no such a thing. I'm not a dumping ground. In my old age, I want to enjoy my wife until death, not you come and enjoy at my expense. No, you two have to go through it. So when you get married, therefore, before you go and produce babies, make sure you produce money to maintain them. Yes, yeah, so... Yes, very yes. I will together now. I'm following the scriptures. It says, if the man will leave his father and mother. So what are you doing again? When I want the grandchildren, bring them. And you must be there with them. When you are going, you carry them and go. And... Grandpa, let them play with you. I'm not a toy. I'm not a toy. I'm not a toy, my friend. I'm not a toy. <laughs> you bring them, you must be there. You are moving, I'm sending all of you away. If I have to go on holiday with them, you must be in that holiday. Oh, yes. Because some people will not, they will not enjoy their old age and they will just wreck themselves and die for peanuts. I will not die like that. Hallelujah. I'm not a nanny. They didn't call me grand nanny. (laughs) Am I saying something right? Because that's how my wife and I raised my children. We never took them to any grandfather or grandmother. My father told us that you must not let, you must not take the children of your brothers in your house to train them. You mustn't do that. Told all my all our, all, our, all, our, all, our, all my brothers. If any one of you give birth, you must not give that child to another brother to train. You train your child. And it says that if you, one of you is richer and you want to help, let them remain with their parents. You pay the fee. Let them remain in their parents' house. He said because if you let them come to your house, you will bring enmity. I will together now. And it's my law to my own descendant. It's no, I'm helping them. No. Send the help. And let the one who brought the children help himself. You can give if you have more. You can give. And those of you Africans who are very careful. Because I've seen many African families where 
the whole siblings continue to put demand on their senior brother. So the place you are by, the man cannot take care of his own children. No, your siblings are now relatives. Your family first. I say, Reverend Omar, first. Hallelujah. Your family first. Because I have seen what happened to many of them is that after they waste all their resources training these, the, the brothers, and the time when their own children is growing up, nobody even said, take a penny. And you made them what they are. And it could be that at that time you don't have much enough and some of them have had a lot. They will be giving you excuses. I'm not saying you shouldn't help them, but don't help them to your detriment. That's what I'm saying. My family, for, and no man should buy land with his brother. If you will buy land, you buy land with your wife. And no woman must buy land with her brother or sister. If you buy land, because you are, they, are, they are relatives. The two are one. Anything you do is you, your wife, or your husband, and your children. I would get Marriage is a responsibility, and God gave the man responsibility. Man can only succeed, that is plural man, in marriage with God's help. Now, let me run you through a few things. Write this down. Number one, wife is the missing rib of a man. Wife is the missing rib of a man. Genesis 2.21. Just summarizing what I've been saying. Number two, God is the matchmaker. Let God choose for you. Genesis 2.22. It says, Then the Lord God said, God made the woman from the rib of the man. Number three, what God chooses is very satisfactory. When God chooses for you, you will never regret. I would get that now. It's very, very satisfactory. That is Genesis 2.23. The man said, this is bone of my bones and flesh of mine. Number four, marriage is very pleasurable. Marriage is not a battlefield. It is a love field. Genesis 2.24, for this reason a man will leave his wife, his father, brother, leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. Marriage is pleasurable. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 9. It says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Take your wife, the rest is meaningless. See, that is the reason why a man and a woman have joint obligation to make their life a paradise on earth. 
It's joint obligation. To make your house the happiest for you. We'll talk more about that probably tomorrow. I'm talking about marriage is pleasurable. I'll give you one, two, three, four. Number five. What God has joined together, let no man put the son. Matthew 19, 6. It says, so, they are no longer one, but they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder or separate. If you go back to verse 4 of this, and we will read further now. I want to read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female. Not male and male or female and female. All right? There is no marriage if it is not between a male and a female. It's not marriage. Not. Because this is the origin of the definition of marriage. The next verse says, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So a man and a man and never become one flesh. Neither could a woman and a woman, even if they have sex, they can never become one flesh. It takes a man and a woman to become one flesh. And then the next verse says, So they are no longer two but one, therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate or put asunder. How many have I given you now? Look at the book of Matthew 19, verse 4 to verse 6. It says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea, to the other side of Jordan. Large crowd followed him, and he killed them there. Verse 3, Some Pharisees came to him and te- to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? For any and every reason. And you see these people. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his family, or his father and mother, and be united with his wife, and the two become, will become one flesh. So, they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man put us on. Now, number six. Yes? God hate divorce. Malachi 2.14. You ask. Why is it? Why? Why you you ask? Why? Look, let me read from verse twelve from Malachi. As for the man who does this, who whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tent of Jacob, even though he brings offerings to the Lord Almighty. You see that this is talking about a man who is ruthless to his wife. Okay, a man who breaks faith. 
with his wife. You can go and read it from verse 1. But if you look at, it says, another thing I have that you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears, you weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offering or accept them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why. It is because the Lord is acting as the weakness between you and the wife of your youth. Understand this. When you take oaths in court before parents or in church, who is the weakness? God is the weakness. You know, when people were in church, this is what we say. There is a congregation that you gathered when you took your oath. If you will want to dissolve that oath, you must get everybody who was there on the day you took the oath. And some of them, unfortunately, might have died. So you go and raise them from the dead. Because if you took oaths in the presence of some people and who affirmed the oath, it would be unreasonable to break the oath without seeking their consent. In the terms of human language law. Therefore, that's the reason why you must watch your mouth before you take oath. Don't marry somebody because love born in your heart. Are we? Good. So it says here. Because you have broken faith with your wife, with her, though she is the part, your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. The next verse, please. I hate the verse, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering himself with violence, as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. There is nowhere God revoked that. That is a dictum. It is a law that is applicable to all generations. But let me say this to you, therefore. What about if a Christian finds himself in a hot soup? Like some people get into marriage without really recognizing what they are going into, and then you marry somebody. Let me give you an example. I was in a marriage ceremony. We're finishing the church. This marriage too. Let me say this. When they brought the woman, the, wo- the parents of the woman brought the woman to me. This was many years ago. And when they brought the man, I said, ah, this man is a devil. But they have fixed marriage dates. And printer cards. I said, look at this man I'm seeing. He's a court member. Because they cannot see what I see. The mother was paralyzed. Ah! He said, man of God, we have done the cards. We have fixed the date. I said to the woman who wants to marry, you are my sister. I'm the spiritual parents adopted for the family. I said, if you were my daughter, I will ensure, unless you kill me, that you would not go into this marriage. I said, this man, he said he's born again. I said, don't you understand? 
I don't know him. I've never met him before. Can the one, can the glory of Israel lie? What I'm seeing is different from what you're saying. This guy is a court member. No, they said he's born again. He was in, in the, you know, uh, Christian fellowship in the university. And we met. That's telling me stories, I said. I said, okay, auntie, if you cannot, the mother said, what shall we do? I said, cancel the marriage. I said, I see suffering for her. That she will never be free till death. It's better she has shame now than to have the shame that is coming. You know, sometimes when God speaks to you, and what he's saying is different from what people think, and you will make enemies of people by saying it, what do you do? Say it! My wife will remember. We, the wedding went on. I was among the officiating minister. As the woman was coming out of church, his pastor's daughter too, as they were doing the recession on him, as they were coming, we started hearing boom, 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 bang, 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 People, cult members in their regalia, dancing in a circle in front of the church. As they came in, the man took the wife and they started dancing along with them. I looked at the mother. Tears was rolling down. But they have signed the seal. The so that when I talk, it, it, it seems as if I'm weird. But I've seen. I have seen. <laughs> you know the end of that marriage. It didn't last though. It didn't last. Till today the woman is not married. This is over 20 years now. So what's the benefit? From the front of the church, disgrace began. Pastor's daughter. If it was now, you know, if it was now, and let's say that that one is part of my own family, I will go and pull the woman out, and I will fight all of them. I will tell the man, this one, your marriage is based on deceit. You told this woman you are born again. All of us who took oath have not gone. Go back into the church and undo your oaths. Because covenants should be based on truth. Uh, you know how humiliated we were that day in all our colors? Including the father of the bride and the mother of the bride. The Bible says in the book of First Corinthians, I will deal with that. Can a Christian divorce or not? I will deal with that. But the Bible tells us in the book of First Corinthians that if an unbeliever leaves, the believer is not under bond. Which means you, a Christian, cannot divorce. But if you get into hot soup. You can only pray until that person will say, I'm going. If that person now says, I'm going, then you can remarry. But if the person did not leave you, uh, it will become your cross for life. But God hates a Christian to divorce. And also, he did not isolate divorce from violence. He hates a violent man. What number did I give you six, isn't it? Number seven on that area. Marriage should be honored by all. He says marriage should be honored by all. And the married bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer 
and all sexually immoral. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, neither, n- never will I forsake you, or neither will I forsake you. Now, there are two major things dealt with here. You know, first thing is honor. Marriage should be honored by all. Let me say this to you. That is an instruction in itself. You can, you, you can apply that in isolation of the rest of the statement, which is legal. Marriage should be honored by all, which means by third parties, by fourth parties, by second party, husband and wife should honor marriage, parents of the bride and groom should honor marriage of their children, the siblings of the bride and groom should honor the marriage of their own sister or sibling, the friends should honor the marriage of their, wife, of their friend, and everybody should keep their mouth shut, don't go and be inciting one against the other. If you do that, even will not, call, will not uh, withdraw from your family too. Because the Bible says, evil shall slay the wicked. So if you are involved in taking side, when husband and wife is fighting, you put yourself in a judgment of God. Let me say something to you. You know that when husband and wife quarrel, anyone you invite will talk against the other. You are looking at me like that. No be so. If you have not known that, you know it now. Husband and wife quarrel. I call the wife. Tell me what is happening. She won't tell you one thing she did wrong. She will tell you everything that man did. Is that not so? Answer me now. And you call the man too. He's so angry. He will be telling you everything that woman did from... <clears throat> not so. So now who is right? Solomon's wisdom. So, if you... Based on the passion with which somebody spoke and you judge the other, you invoke evil to your life to slay you because you have incited evil. Let me give you, if you understand. The same people who told you today that this, my wife, is worse than Lucifer. Tomorrow he's kissing her. Excuse me, have you seen that before? Really what I've seen is that after they have run all manner of running commentary, about a year or a month later, the woman is pregnant. I said, where did you get this from? <laughs> he said, it's my husband. Ah, your husband? And you, you remember what you were saying about this man? That you, you want me to stay with this man? It's like wanting me to stay with the devil. Ah, you have conceived for the devil. <laughs> You know how God taught me about these people? When people have quarrel in marriage. How God taught me to deal with them. God taught me to see both of them individually. Okay? And when I see the woman, and the woman is telling me everything the husband did, I listen. Then when she finished, I say, what did you do to her? Before you can lie before God. But you know when she's talking, everything she's talking, I'm writing information down against her. My husband did this, my husband did that, I'm writing it down. Because in saying what she husband did, she will say what she did. And I'm writing it down. At the end of your statement, I judge you only, I never judge your husband. 
I will tell the woman, oh, what you have said, this is what you have done wrong, this is what you have done wrong. What about my husband? Your husband is not the one talking. The Bible says, with your mouth you are condemned, and with your mouth you are justified. I cannot condemn a man who I'm not hearing. Then when the man will sit down too, I will hear him. From his words, I will tell him all what he has done wrong. That is equity. So that nobody can come before me and then I will judge this power. It will never happen in this earth. Never happened to me, never will it ever happen. I didn't understand that I was following the rule of just. I'm an arbitrator, that's what I'm trained to do now in law or judges. With your mouth, with your mouth, they're justified. If you listen with plain conscience to two people in dispute, you will know the wrong from each one of them. That is, you talk, I know you're wrong. The other talk, I know they are wrong. Then I can bring both of them together and say that from your statements, these are the things you need to go and put right. From your statements, these are the things you need to go and put right. Because if you took sides, you introduce punishment. Let me say this to you. Even where the dichotomy has ended up in physical violence. Okay? You don't say because of the physical violence, the other one is 100% guilty. I'm not legitimizing physical violence. But I want to recognize that sometimes, you know, in marriage or in every dispute, the one who has the ability to speak, they are the one that is most prone for you to believe. But a believer should not. Remember the story of the two women who had one, one son and the other one slept over the other one. And how Solomon dealt with it. So, get me a, 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 this executor. Execute this child. The other one said, kill him. Divide him into two. You will find that attitude in everybody who want to talk down the other. This is how marriage dispute should be. If husband and wife have dispute, they should not override their love that binds them. When you have opportunity to go and speak, speak against yourself, not against your spouse. Are you saying that? You will tell the person that you, you are talking to that I know that I also did some things wrong. These are the things I recognize I did wrong. That is a child of God. By the Holy Spirit. After you have condemned yourself, you may now say that these are the issues with my husband. Okay? Not just say, my wife is this, my wife is that, my wife is this, my wife is that, and you are nothing. Anywhere you see a one-sided, um, you know, I, I want to be very, very careful that I don't talk this way to a lower class. Anywhere you see... <laughs> A one-sided, um, you know, um, testimony, you know, I will say, understand that it is a judgment on this is called impartial judgment. That is the law of natural justice. You must allow each party to express their heart. And you must not judge by what they say. You must judge by what you know. And you will avoid 
came from God. How many of you want marriages to break? Raise your hand. So we cannot eat and abet, therefore. We will do our best to bring the two together. No matter how terrible they are part. Unless one goes and divorces the other and breaks himself of the yoke, then the other one, according to the scripture, is not bound. And I will give my support to such man. I will gather now. What's my time? My time says time up. Don't clap. Because there is summary of the matter. What we are going to look into tomorrow is unity is the bedrock of marriage. Or the role of unity in marriage. In it, we'll look at the benefits of unity in marriage. Then we'll look at communication. Elements that form good communication. Don't worry if you can write it. Rules of constructive communication. From the, scripture, from the scriptures. Then we look at behavior in marriage. As the, the behavioral, you know, the power of behavior versus behaviors in marriage. And then we end up this year, not end up, this, Saturday, this Friday, with conflict resolution in marriage. And we look at various conflicts, beginning from the conflict between husband and wife. That is conflict that arise because of the dichotomy between a man and a woman. Like, put this flower here. No, it, it should be here. No, put it here. No, it should be here. I am the head of this house, by the way. Are we together now? <laughs> And the woman said too, it is my responsibility to be, to beautify the house. This is where I want my flower. Amen. Dichotomy that arise because of the, you know, the conflict that arise because of the dichotomy between husband and wife. However, we look at conflict that arise because of dichotomy of, of parents over children. The father felt this is what it should be for that child. The mother said, no, 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 you can't treat my child like that. How do you resolve it? Then we'll talk about third party. The way you are treating my people, I don't like it. You heard that statement before? It's only your people only, your people only, your people only. (laughs) Hallelujah. We will treat it. You will see that all those things are not, they are not really substantial, but they can destroy home. Then we look at solution to disputes. And we will look at principle to remedy disputes. 
you know, when there is a dispute in the home, what is the principle to adopt to remedy it? Malice. Yes. Malice is what to remedy the dispute. I won't talk to you, you won't talk to me. The husband sleep and face the east on the same bed, and the wife sleep and face the west. Is that? Yes. We will look at it. It's easy to settle this between husband and wife. Very, very easy. As long as you understand the scriptures and obey it. And that ends up in looking at the power of unity, the importance of the importance of holiness in conflict resolution. I have so many things to teach you. I will have another seminar with you on sexual relationship and romance in marriage. I will teach you about that. Then we'll talk about sexual immorality and how believers need to conduct their sexual life. You know that you find, if you go to the streets, you will find uh, people in England, maybe they could be girlfriend or boyfriend, they'll be holding themselves and they'll be locking up and they'll be caressing and they'll be kissing themselves. They are not so at home. That is what I call street kissing. <laughs> Amen. Hey, the street kissing. When they get to me, it's fire for fire. One can just decide not to talk. And that's it. But Christians are not supposed to expose their, their love life. You don't behave like a brute animal. It is fake. I will look at that. That doesn't mean that you are just dry to your wife. You can hold your wife. You can pat your wife. But to be kissing your wife mouth to mouth in the public as a culture, we look at it. Why? Because a believer must not do anything without a constructive reason. Someone says that, but they said in church you cannot kiss your bride. Really, they even said it, it last week. Pastor Tayo said, kiss your bride properly, isn't it? But did he say continuously kiss him in the public? <laughs> it was a kiss that was qualified. Yeah, that okay. Kiss your bride before everyone here. But then that doesn't mean that every Sunday, if every Sunday all of us sit down with our wife, and we are kissing our wife, where service is going on, I think you you will ask me that, preacher man, what's going on here? Amen. Even the young ones can put up with the kids that you kiss after marriage, but if they see you kiss in the church, they will frown at you. I will together now. We will look at that. Then do you know what? Can you write questions for me?